Jesus tonight come on all over this building why don't you lift your hands and lift up your voice and call upon the name that's above every name thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Lord we magnify you Lord we praise your holy name we lift you up we glorify you praise be to God praise be to God praise be to God that's it the presence of the Lord is in this house Come on, invite him into this sanctuary. Invite him into this place of worship. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. How many are glad you're in the house of the Lord on a Friday night? How many are glad you didn't let the devil talk you into coming, not coming to church tonight? Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. We want Brother Kennedy come and to greet this congregation and say a good word for God. Praise the Lord, everybody. It is wonderful to be in church tonight. There's no better place for us to be. Nothing as important as what is happening in this place. The book of Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah was asked to come down from the work, come down off the wall, and let's talk about things. Nehemiah said, I'm doing a good work, and I can't come down. Praise God. Let me tell you, the devil will try anything he can to get you off the wall, to get you to walk away and distract you from the most important thing in all of life. Praise God. I want us to focus I want to make sure that I keep my life focused so that when that allurement is there to come down off the wall that I'll say, listen, devil, I don't have time for you. I don't have time to talk things over and work things out with you because there's no working it out. There's no talking it through. I just want to keep working for Jesus. I want to keep building the wall that there is a job that must be done and God is calling upon us. The burden and the weight of that work must fall upon us that we can commit ourselves to the Lord. Give Him a good praise tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. We want you to remain standing at this time. We are going to bring our speaker to the floor. Amen. And we are happy that you have come to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And we have with us in service tonight um, Brother Ari Prado from California. He has come all this way to preach the word of the Lord 
to us, and we want him to come. We want him to take his liberty and to uh, preach the word of the Lord to us. So let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as he comes. For the Prado come, preach the word of God. Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's give Jesus our very best here tonight. Somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. Well, I I like what I feel and I feel what I like. Amen. There's nothing like the presence of God. And uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you tonight. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much. I just feel to get straight into the word of God. Uh, Most of you, if not everybody, does not know me. And uh, which makes us, uh, puts us on the same grounds because I don't know you. So, Uh, but we all know Jesus. So uh, let's just get our minds on Jesus and have some church. Amen. And, uh, but I believe God wants to talk to some young people tonight. I got a burden, and uh, I want to I give unto you what God has given to me. So, amen. Without, any, uh, without belaboring uh, any more of the point, let's get into the Word of God. Let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. Amen. I give honor to senior pastor and uh, to all the fellow ministers and, of course, to Brother Urshan. God bless him and his family. Amen. How many love your pastor? Amen. Thank God for the man of God. Amen. Book of Proverbs chapter 30. We'll begin reading at verse number 15. Everybody say amen when they're there. If you can't find it, just open your Bible and pretend. You'll be all right. No one's going to hate on you. Amen. Book of Proverbs chapter 30. We'll begin reading at verse number 15. Word of the Lord says, The horse leech, the horse leech hath two daughters, crying, Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things say not, it is enough. The grave and the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not it is enough I'm going to preach to you out of verse number 16 the final portion of verse number 16 and it's also the title for my message tonight and that is simply the fire that saith not it is enough amen let's put our Bibles down let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask Jesus to bless the remainder of this service Jesus we love you we appreciate you and we thank you for your word God, I'm asking you tonight to touch me to preach. I pray that you would anoint me to minister your word with grace. I pray that you would touch every young person under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would minister to this house. I pray that you would pour out a mighty anointing to destroy every yoke. I pray that people would be healed in their body, liberated in their mind, and freed in their spirit to do your will. We ask you all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give the Lord one more big hand clap of praise. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him I love your hairdo. Amen. And you may be seated. 
the fire that never says enough. It is, it is not always easy to preach out of the book of Proverbs uh, because uh, it jumps from subject to subject and idea to idea. But when you read the book of Proverbs as a whole, you do notice that there are some threads. There are some uh, flowing thoughts in the book of Proverbs. When you read the very first six Proverbs, uh, you'll notice that they all have a phrase in them uh, which simply starts off uh, or reads, My son, my son, my son. Uh, and then if you continue to read, uh, I believe it's nine Proverbs in total, are all written directly to somebody's son, to somebody's child. And um, it is a father trying to impart wisdom uh, to his, uh, his offspring. And Proverbs 30 breaks away with, uh, with this train of thought. And it is actually the reverse. And now it is the son, uh, a man by the name of Agur, to be in fact, who is now writing the proverb. And he wants to show uh, that he has listened, that he has obeyed, that he has taken in instruction, and that he has applied it. Um, I'm going to start a little slow tonight, but I'll get to my point. Um, and so there's a turn now, and rather than the father writing to the son, it is now the son himself who is writing. And um, he starts off this proverb 30 uh, in a rather strange way. Um, and what we might call uh, with rhetoric. Um, he starts off by saying uh, that he is brutish. He is unlearned. He is unwise and without the knowledge of God. And we know that he is not these things because the book of Proverbs condemns foolishness. And so by default, it cannot allow a fool um, to write or to exhort. And so we know that Agur is not a foolish man. He is in fact, quite wise. And as you begin to read this proverb and weave your way through it, uh, you begin to discover that he's anything but unwise. Um, he understands the plight of his generation. Several times in this proverb, he says, there is a generation, there is a generation, there is a generation. And in particular, he talks about young people who disobey their parents and will not listen, um, who scoff and scour at the elderly. Not only does he understand his generation, he also understands the delicate relationships that people have. He understands the relationship between a master and his servant. He not only understands this, but he understands the evil and the folly uh, of adultery and the people who propagate it. And what is probably one of the most popular discourses on strength and weakness, he begins to talk about creatures in the earth that he understands. Um, I am I am maybe overly simplistic for this, but I am one of those people that believes that God uses the world as a chalkboard to teach us something. And um, Agur talks about several little creatures on the face of the earth um, that in spite of their size and in spite of their vulnerability, they are able to do great exploits. He talks about the ant, and he says that the ant is a small creature, but yet it always has its food. Even though the ant is small and uh, feeble, easily crushed, 
Amen. Um, it never does without because it's busy. It's, it's not lazy. Amen. And there's something to be learned about not being lazy. Amen. Somebody say amen. You don't want to be lazy. Um, he doesn't stop there. He talks about the rock badger. Um, in Hebrew, that can also be translated as the rabbit. And, uh, of course, we hopefully all know what rabbits look like. They're not dangerous-looking animals. Uh, they don't have fangs. They have buck teeth. Um, they're furry and fuzzy. Um, they delight in carrots and vegetables. Uh, they are not violent animals, and so they are extremely vulnerable. But he says the rock badger or the rabbit makes its house in the rocks. Amen. It may not be strong. It may not be big. It may not be ferocious, but it's smart enough, amen, to make its house in the rock. Amen. He doesn't stop there. He begins to talk about the locust, which is like a super grasshopper. And, uh, and he says that the locust, having no governor and no king, uh, travels in numbers. Amen. Here is an animal that understands that it's always better off running in groups rather than by itself. Amen. Uh, he doesn't stop there. He begins to talk about the spider. Some people have translated that the lizard. And he says that here is a little animal that can be caught with the hand. And he says, but yet kings and their armies aren't able to stop it from entering into uh, their palaces. Amen. And then Agar begins to crack a joke almost in verse 15. And he says, the horse leech has two daughters. Sounds like some people's kids. Uh, that always cries, give me, give me. Give me more, give me more. And uh, he is actually setting us up for quite a serious topic. And uh, he goes on to talk about four things in the earth that are never satisfied. And uh, the first thing is the grave. Uh, this can actually also be translated as hell or Hades. Um, and he says, the grave is never satisfied. It always wants more. And I don't know, and I can only imagine that Agar probably spoke from experience. He had seen good people die. He had seen bad people die. He had seen rich and poor people die. And yet the grave never says it's enough. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, I think somebody dies every seven seconds. By the time we are done with the service, Countless people will have died on the face of the earth, and yet the grave is still never satisfied. Um, he starts talking about the barren womb, and whether he's talking from experience or just from observation, we'll never know. But he says that a woman who cannot have a baby, amen, this, this hunger inside of a woman will never be satisfied either. He is a man who lives in the desert. He lives in the Middle East. And he looks out of his window every day and he sees dry land. And he says, this dry land that surrounds me every day, this also can never be satisfied. And then he begins to talk about something called fire. And he says that fire never says it's enough. Fire can devour a thousand houses and still want a thousand more. I live in California where we've seen fires consume entire areas in small cities um, and fire just doesn't seem to ever want to stop sometimes the firemen can't even stop it sometimes it seems like it will just burn on forever fire can wipe out thousands of fields and forests and still want thousands of fields and forests more 
fire can consume, amen, an entire harvest and a crop and still be ready to take on more. Agar's understanding of fire is simple, but at its very core, it is incredible. Fire is a force that can never be satisfied. Now, I want to explain something to you here. Uh, the Bible is written by men and inspired by God. And so when God speaks to us, he speaks to us in terms that we can understand. And he uses human terms and human words and human explanations to reveal himself. And when God talks, he has several different ways of talking. Um, just we human beings have several ways of talking. We can use our voice. We can use sign language. Uh, we can use body language. And then we even have silent language. Uh, sometimes you can just look at somebody and you know what they're saying. And we have layered speech. And God is no different. God also has layered speech. And he could speak through symbols. He could speak through visions. He could speak through dreams. And he could speak through words. And when God wanted people to understand what he was and what he was like, God used the image of fire. Amen. And we know this because when the prophets had visions of God, God would often be robed and surrounded by fire. When John the Revelator looked into the eyes of Jesus, he said that his eyes were as of a flaming fire. Amen. When Moses first heard the voice of God, he spoke, God spoke to Moses out of a fire on a bush. Amen. And when Moses took the children of Israel um, and led them out of Egypt, the Bible says that God led them by a pillar of fire. Amen. And it doesn't stop there. When John, the cousin of Jesus, began to preach about the kingdom of God, he said, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, amen, that they were all assembled in an upper room. And the Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were all sitting. And the Bible says that there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And one thing I know about God, amen, is that God never says it's enough. Amen. I, I am convinced tonight. Amen. I am happy for all of us that showed up here tonight. But I'm convinced that for God, it's still not enough. Amen. I want some young people to listen to me right now. Amen. When God saved you, he wasn't just looking to save you. He wanted to save your friends. He wants to save your family. He wants to save. I don't believe God is happy with just saving a few of us. Uh, amen. I believe this fire never says it's enough. Uh, amen. Now, I believe that God is ready to not only fill this house, uh, amen, but fill the house you guys are building as well. Uh, amen. Our God, if there was a thousand people here tonight, uh, God would be more than happy to take on a thousand more. Uh, amen. If God filled 500 people with the Holy Ghost, uh, he'd be happy to fill 500 more. Uh, amen. I got news for you, young people. Amen. God doesn't only want to save you. He wants to save your classmates. He wants to save your teacher. He wants to save your mama. He wants to save your daddy. He wants to save your cousin. He wants to...
this is not just for us. This is for everybody. Uh, this is just not for foreign no more. Uh, amen. This is for everybody. Do I got some young people that believe that? Oh, let's worship Jesus for just one moment. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The thing we need to grasp about God is that God is not satisfied. God is not satisfied. God wants more and more. Amen. I, I, God, God never says it's enough. Amen. I, I, I believe with all of my heart as I was praying this morning. Amen. I believe with all of my heart that God spoke to me. Amen. There, there might be some young people here today. There might be some adults. Uh, amen. That feel as though God has had enough of you. Uh, amen. But God has not had enough of you. Uh, there might be somebody here who's thinking I've messed up too many times. Uh, amen. God has had enough. Uh, God has not had enough of you. Uh, amen. This might sound overly simplistic for some people amen but I'm just crazy enough to believe that if you're still alive uh, there's still hope for your life Uh, if you're still here and you're still kicking uh, amen God can still do something with you Uh, amen the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times in one day Uh, amen the scripture says rejoice not against me oh my enemy Uh, for when I fall not if I fall Uh, amen I shall arise and in darkness the Lord shall be my light Uh, I need some young people to help me preach Uh, Amen. Because I know, I know, I know what it's like to be young. Amen. You fall. You make mistakes. You blunder. Amen. But you only got one. There's only one thing you can do. That is get up. You got to get up. Amen. Staying down is not an option. Amen. The devil is a liar. The scripture says Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. God doesn't want to throw you away. God's not done with you. You need to get up and shake the devil off. Don't let him shut you up. Don't let him shut you out. Amen. You need to shake the devil off. I'm going to preach until that devil leaves you alone. The devil is a liar. You can't. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's lift our hands and pray for just one moment. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. You know, listen, I love the kids. God bless the kids. You know, I'm not going to do, I don't have puppet ministry, you know. Uh, I could get funny, but I'm not here to crack jokes. And uh, I'm not going to dumb it down for the kids. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach to you young people uh, just the way I feel it in my heart. I don't think I need to water it down. I don't think I need to dumb it down for you. Uh, I'm the, if, if I preach over half an hour, praise God. Amen. I, I, I know 
I know there's a lot of people who say don't preach too long because young people just their attention span. But when you could sit and play Xbox for four hours, I'm not worried about preaching 45 minutes. When you could sit there on your cell phone texting for one hour, I'm not worried about preaching 45 minutes. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm not going to act like you don't know what I'm saying. I'm not going to try to dumb it down and, and give you illustrations and puppets and whatnot. I'm going to preach it. We're going to have church. Amen. We're going to shake the devil off. I didn't come to play games. I didn't fly all the way from California just to, just to patty cake for Jesus, give you four points and a poem. I came so that somebody can get touched. I came to pick somebody up. I came to tell somebody the devil is a liar. Get him off of your life. Serve God. Love Jesus. You know, I'll tell you what else. God can never get enough of your praise. Amen. God loves praise. God never says, don't praise me. Amen. When we come to church, we got to get our praise on. We can't come to church playing games, young people. I can't stand it when I see girls that'll sit, stand out in the parking lot screaming, talking. Amen. But they come in church and they get quiet. I can't stand when I see young men, they'll jump and run to make a free throw. Amen. Or an alley-oop or whatever. Amen. But they come to church and they play games with Jesus. If you'll jump to make a shot, you ought to jump for Jesus if you'll shout if you'll shout over a new pair of shoes you ought to shout for Jesus if if you'll get accepted Come on, young people. I know you can praise God. I know you can worship God. Amen. Devil don't want you to praise God, but you can praise God. Devil don't want you shouting, but you can shout. Devil don't want you jumping, but you can jump. Devil don't want you screaming, but you can scream. Amen. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're going to break through this. I'll keep preaching, but we're going to break through this right now. There's a spirit of worship that wants to get on some of you young people. I'm telling you, tonight can be your night. Tonight can be special for you. But it's all up to you. It's not up to the preacher. Amen. It's up to you. You can lift your hands right where you're standing. You can praise God right where you're standing. You can get a touch of God right now. Amen. I know what it is to be a young person. Amen. You don't. I remember going to conferences, and I'd always wait until the last night to get a touch of God. Amen. We're not going to have another night together. This is our night. We might as well get a hold of God tonight. We might as well get a hold of God. God tonight. You might as well you might, you might as well make it up in your mind. Amen. I'm going to shake the world off. I'm going to shake the devil off. Amen. I'm going to shake my carnality off and I'm going to wake up tomorrow on fire for Jesus. I'm going to wake up tomorrow on fire. You may be seated. You know, not 
only does God not have enough of you. God never says it's enough when it comes to us. You know, God said in his commandments that you shall love him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your might. And the reason that God can ask that of you is because that's how he loves you. God loves you with God would never ask you to do something that he himself would not do first. And if God is asking you to love him with all of your mind, it's because he loves you with all of his mind. If God would ask you to love him with all of your heart, it's because God loves you with all of his heart. Amen. I I want you to know, young people, God did not have to come down to earth. He could have stayed in heaven and been fine all by himself. He didn't need anybody. Amen. But he came and he lived and he dwelt among us. Amen. That we might be able to handle him and to feel him. Amen. He came and he died for us. Uh, amen he he went through all kinds of things that he did not have to go through and he did it all out of a great love for you and for me and I really wish somebody would have told me this when I got saved Uh, amen but I'm gonna let you know here tonight amen when God saves you uh, he has no intention of just half saving you Uh, when God saves you he doesn't just want to be a part of your life Uh, he wants to take up all of your life Uh, God doesn't just want to this, this God never says it's enough. God isn't going to say, well, she comes to church on Sunday. It's enough. God's not going to say, well, she's got her proof right. That's enough. God wants more and more and more and more and more. God's not going to say, well, he stopped cussing. That's enough. God's not going to say, well, you know what? He, he, don't, he don't sag his pants no more. That's enough. Amen. God never says it's enough. After he cleans you up, he's going to want more. And after... Don't put any limits on God. If you're going to get saved, get saved. If you're going to live for God, live for God. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Amen. You you ought not to let one service go by where you don't lift up your hands and you say, Jesus, take all of me. Jesus, take all of me. Take all of my heart. Take all of my mind. Take all of my life. Take my body. Take everything. Take my spirit. You may be seated. You can, you can sit down for a second. You know, a lot of people are putting the limits on the wrong end. A lot of people are telling God it's enough. And they're putting limits on God. And they're taking the limits off the world. And you got a lot of folk. That, that, that are willing to take on more of the world than they are willing to take on more of God. I know, I know a lot of people that love God up until a certain point. And once God, see something you got to understand about God is he's not going to just come into a part of your life. He's going to want to come into all of your life. There's not going to be one part of your life that God leaves alone. There's not. God God, you know, I know people that say, does God really care about the little stuff? God really does care about the little stuff. Uh, you know, in South America, in Ecuador, they, they, they have large mines. And uh, inside, there's these little indigenous people that, that 
that work the minds. And um, when they when they are not working inside of the minds, they are they are very uh, Catholic, uh, you know, quote unquote Christian. But some of these minds run thousands of feet into the earth. And when they go into the minds, something really interesting happens. When you go into those minds, there's huge temples built to the devil. And when they go into the minds, they worship the devil. Because they say, or they believe, that, that God doesn't go that far deep into the earth. And so when they're not inside the cave, they worship God. But when they're outside the cave, when they're inside the cave, they worship the devil. And we don't want to be like that. We don't want to just worship God here in church. And when you come out of the church, you worship the devil. Come on. I was born at night, not last night. And I, 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 know, I, know, I know how people get, people get funny. You'll worship God in church, but you got your Christina Aguilera CD under the bed. Amen. I, I know some young people, you don't, you don't even want your parents to look at your cell phone. You don't want nobody to run a, a cell phone audit on you. Because uh, you got text in there, you don't want your mama reading. Uh, you got text in there, you don't want your pastor to see it. Uh, amen. And you, you, you're serving God one day uh, and serving the devil the next. Uh, honey, I got news for you. He's got in your cell phone. Uh, he's got under your bed. Uh, he's got in your bedroom. You, you can't be cutting a jig to 50 cent one day and cutting a jig in here the next. Come on, serve God at all times. Give God all your praise. Give God all your worship. Don't serve him part-time or half-time. He's a full-time God. You ought to serve God every day of your life. Give it all to Jesus. He wants it all. A good friend of mine, he's got a church. His church is in the hood. I mean, it's just messed up. And uh, he, he got all kinds of crazy folk come through his church. And, uh, you know, you know how people are. People are crazy. People come through church, they're, they're out of their mind. Hello. Y'all looking at me like I'm preaching in algebra or something. And people come to church, you know, they come with crazy hairdos. I know some people, they, they think it's a hair do. It's really a hair don't, you know. They come looking crazy. And he, he's got this church. It's just all new converts. And, uh, and he had a lady that was coming to church. She looked crazy. I mean, she just, she just looked crazy. I'm, I'm not going to even say that. I don't want nobody to get their feelings hurt. But she, she looked crazy. And, uh, but, you know, she loved God. Crazy people can love God. And, uh. She loved God, and she kept coming, and she kept coming, and she kept coming. And one day, God began to speak to her, and uh, she called her pastor. And uh, she, she said, Pastor, we need to talk. You need to come over. So, uh, so my friend went over her house, and uh, when he got there, she was, she was sitting at the dinner table with her husband and a friend, and her friend went to another church, uh, not like us. And uh, she started crying. And she said, Pastor, I look crazy. She said, I know I look crazy. 
She said, and God's been dealing with me. See, I know people that love God up until God tells them how to dress. And they say, that's enough. Okay, so I'm going to preach anyways. I know you guys, you guys are trying to figure me out. So, so she says, I, I know I look crazy. She started crying. She said, and I'm tired of looking crazy. Makeup running. And uh, she was just shaking, just, oh, I feel so bad. I need to change. I just got to get rid of this look. And, and I'm feeling it in my heart. And, uh, and her friend stood up. And she said, you know what? I don't look like the women in your church, and I don't feel one bit convicted. Let me tell you something. It is an honor and a privilege to hear from God. And if God talks to you about anything, you can't let anybody take that away from you. If you look in the mirror one day and God says, don't wear that, don't look like that, honey, that is an honor and a privilege from God. You ought to listen to Jesus. You ought to obey Jesus. I don't care what your auntie says. I don't care what your daddy says. I don't care what your mama says. You need to listen to what Jesus says. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You got to let God have his way in your life. You got to let let God have his way. He'll never. You know, I, I, I've, I've not always lived for God. Don't, don't, don't let the look fool you. Uh, when I came to God, I was telling Brother Ishan, I looked like I fell in a toolbox face first. I had piercings everywhere. And uh, I remember I had these, these huge loop earrings. I mean, you could still feel the hole in my ear. I mean, I worked at a tattoo shop. I mean, I, I just looked like Swiss cheese. I mean, I just, I had holes in my face. And, uh, and I, I, I had been living for God just a couple of months. And I remember I was, I, was, I, was in, I was in the bathroom. And I was looking in the mirror. And I remember I was staring at myself. And I, I was still a new convert. I, you know, just didn't really know much. And, and God spoke to me and said, why do you wear those earrings? People are getting nervous right now. And, and I said, it's weird. I, I didn't really even believe in God in this way quite yet. And, and I, I, I come to think about it, I must look crazy. And I just, I'm, I'm talking to myself in the mirror, but talking to God. And I answered the voice back. And I said, because I like them. And the voice answered me back and said, that's not a reason. Because I like it is not a reason. And I'm Mexican, right? So then I told God, it's because I'm Mexican. <laughs> and God said, that's not a reason. And I remember I, I had to go get pliers because these 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 huge loop earrings were solid metal I had to go get pliers and I got those pliers and I took those earrings off and I, I said to myself I don't need that in my life uh, there's something much more beautiful on the inside I don't need to pierce it paint it, tattoo it I don't, I don't need to do it there's something on the inside uh, 
Honey, when you got it on the inside, you don't need to try to show off on the outside. Amen. I'm not, I'm not saying you got to show up to church looking frumpy and ugly. Amen. But don't try to doctor it up for Jesus. There's nothing that can replace the look of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing that can replace the beauty of salvation. Amen. You don't need to be ashamed about this. You don't need to feel bad about this. Amen. You don't need to take the tuck head when you go to school. You don't need to let the girls on the job intimidate you. You don't need to. Oh, Jesus. You know, I want to talk to the young ladies. You, you can be seated. I, you know, listen. I, I'll, I'll tag on the boys later, but listen. It, it's it's not easy it's not it's not easy being a girl because there are so many voices that attack you uh, there are so many voices telling you listen we got to get definitions straight in our mind and the world likes to throw a word around beauty and it likes to try to define to you what beautiful is. And in the world, beautiful is whether how thin you are, how tall you are, how light-skinned you are, how you do your hair, how you dress. That's beautiful. But that is not God's definition of beautiful. In fact, you can be beautiful with or without good looks. You can be beautiful even without a cool poof. You can be beautiful even if you do got some Payless shoes on. You can be beautiful even if you are. And you can't let the devil tell you what beautiful is. And you can't let those chicken head girls at school try to tell you what beautiful is. And you can't let your skanky cousin try to tell you what beautiful is. You need, you need to look in the word of God, sweetheart, and get beauty out of here. And don't let the devil push you around. Don't let him intimidate you. You know what beautiful is? Beautiful's the... Amen. Beautiful's praise. Beautiful's worship. Beautiful's when you're letting God. You know, because I, I, I know how people are. You, you do not need to be ashamed of this. There's nothing wrong if you don't paint yourself and look like a war chief. There's nothing wrong with you. And if people pick on you, it's because they deep down inside, they envy you. They envy, they, they, you know why they hate you? They hate you because you can walk out of your house and you don't have to paint yourself up before you step out the door. They hate you because you can feel fine just the way. You know, my, my wife, God bless her, she couldn't make it. My, my wife, she is this just, just little gorgeous five-foot-tall thing. And, uh, you know, she, she was just raised right. I wasn't raised in church. My wife was raised in church. She was just raised right. And uh, my, my wife just graduated from the university a couple years ago. And, uh, she, you know, she didn't know no better. She just, all through high school, all through college, she just wore her skirt all the time. 
She, and, in my wife's house, you didn't serve God half time. And uh, she, she went to college for years, just wearing her skirt, P.E., she'd put on her skirt. She'd be running out there in her skirt, long hair, getting in the way, just, I mean, she's, she's, it was a mess. I mean, she, it was an anointed mess, though. <laughs> and I'd rather have an anointed mess <laughs> than just have a mess. Because God could take your mess and make it a message. And she didn't, you know, she didn't, frankly, my wife just didn't care what people thought. And uh, one day there was a woman there. Uh, she, was a, she, was a, uh, she was majoring in child therapy. And she walked up to my wife and she said, what are you? I mean, what? and you know, my wife, she's just real quiet and she just didn't know what this woman was saying. And she, she asked her like, well, what do you mean, what am I? And she said, well, where in the world are you? You know, you wear your skirt everywhere. You know, you just, your hair's all over the place. Like, what, what are you? She said, I'm apostolic. And she said, well, what is that? And so my wife began to explain to her. She said, okay, because I want my daughters to be just like you. I want my daughters to be just like you. She said, where is your church? And uh, she told her where the church was at. And I was preaching a revival there. And I remember when that child therapist and her rich husband, he came up to the altar. He had a big fat Rolex on. cost more than my car. He, he and his wife, they came up with their daughters. They came up to the front. And I remember when I laid my hands on that family. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them the utterance. You don't need to be ashamed about this. You got the goods, honey. You got the goods, honey. You don't need to hide it. You need to... You need to let your light shine. Oh, we need to worship Jesus right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. God's going to bring somebody out right now. This is, this is not part of my message. But you young people need to listen to me really good. There is a world of communication that has been built just for you. Cell phones, MySpace, Facebook. All these things are made so that you can communicate. But the problem is that all this communication takes place with your peers. And the devil is trying to push out the voice of adults. Come on. 
Nobody gets a cell phone hoping their mom calls all day. Nobody opens up a Facebook account thinking, man, I got to make friends with my dad. And slowly and surely, everybody you talk to is about your age. And the problem with being your age is that you're crazy. <laughs> At least look, amen. <laughs> and so when you start going through the trials of your life, and you will have trials in your life, and when you start going through trouble in your life, the, the last person, and friends are good, and your pastors pray that God give you good friends. And you have good friends here in church. But when you're going through life, the best person to get advice from is not your friends. It's not your peers. It's an adult. And the devil's trying to push adults out of your life. You need to make a place in your life right now for the voice of an adult. You need to make a place in your life right now for the voice of your pastor. You need to make a place in your life right now for the voice of your parents. Don't push them out. I'm preaching to some young person right now. You're going through things and you don't know who to talk to. And you're talking to your crazy friends. Amen. I'm telling you right now, you need to submit yourself to an adult and ask them what to do. You need to go up to an adult and tell them, lay your hands on me and pray for me because I need help. You need to go up to your pastor and talk to your pastor and say, Pastor, I'm submitted to you. I need you to help me. I need you to pray for me. Amen. I need help. Amen. Come on, somebody help me preach. A prayer from your pastor can get depression off your life. A prayer from your pastor can get pornography out of your life. A prayer from your pastor can get sadness and depression off of your back. A prayer from your... We need to worship God right now. Come on, I need some of the adults to tap in right now. We got to fight for our young people. Somebody came to church tonight saying, God, it's enough. Somebody came, there's somebody came to church tonight before you walked in this building. You were thinking to yourself, it's enough. Somebody came in here thinking, God, when's it going to be enough? I'm tired of struggling, I'm tired of fighting. You know, I got to thinking the other day, 
when I was a sinner, I didn't even fight. Whatever wanted to come into my life could just come into my life. I wasn't fighting marijuana. I wasn't fighting alcohol. I wasn't, I was, I was not a part of the fight. And when I started living for God, I got in the fight. And I may not, I may not have to fight off the spirit of, of, of drugs, but, but the world's after me just like it's after you. And, and I, still, I still have a ton of things I need to fight every day, including myself. But I thank God that at least I'm in the fight. I thank God. You listen to me good. Temptation is not a sin. If, if temptation was a sin, Jesus would have sinned because Jesus was tempted. But, but it's, when we, it's when we answer the call to temptation that it's a sin. But you don't need to feel bad because the devil's tempting you all the time. You don't need to come into church and, and let the devil take, take your praise and your worship away just because you're, you're constantly fighting in your mind. Listen, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. Everybody's going to have bad thoughts. Everybody's going to have creepy feelings come over them. Just... But don't feel like you've lost out with God just because you had a bad thought. Don't feel like you've lost out with God just because you feel creepy sometimes. Uh, honey, it's a fight. Uh, and you're going to be fighting from now to the day you die. Uh, but don't give in. Uh, don't cut out. Uh, It's never enough. A friend of mine, I was talking to your pastor about this. A friend of mine recently, uh, recently lost his wife. Uh, she she died of cancer. Her mother, unknown to a lot of people. Her mother did TV commercials, came out in movies, uh, did modeling for Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Polo and all these companies. And, uh, but her daughter was in church. And her daughter would pray for her mother every day, every day, every day, every day. And uh, her daughter married a pastor, and, and God called them to a city. And she followed her husband. And they went through hard times. They were poor. Uh, kids would get sick. Just all, just all the things that come with being a pastor. She just, but she just followed God. And she had three daughters. The youngest one was five. And here she is. She gets cancer. And she could have said, you know what, this is enough. I don't even want to be a Christian. God tells me to go, I go. God tells me to sacrifice, I sacrifice. And now I'm, now I'm going to die. And she could have said, it's enough, God. 
And right before she died, she had already said goodbye to her husband, said goodbye to her kids, and she told her husband, bring my mom into this room. And her mom came and sat down, and she looked at her mom, and she said, promise me that you'll serve God. She could have said, it's enough. She could have said, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to win souls. It's not worth it. Enough is enough. But she didn't. She looked at her mom. She said, you promise me you'll serve God. And her mom said, I promise you I'll serve God. And when her mom said, I promise, she died right there and then. And I'll never forget, I was preaching at a church, and that woman came up to the front, and I laid my hands on that woman, and I began to pray for her. And God spoke to me, and God said, you let her son-in-law pray for her. And her son-in-law just happened to be behind me. I turned around. I grabbed him. I said, pray for your mother-in-law. And I've never felt this in all my life. When he laid his hands on that woman, I could see his wife up in heaven interceding for her mother. And I could see, I could see, I could see my friend's wife telling Jesus, you promised, you promised, you promised. And I saw when that mother, that movie actor model, lifted up her hands, opened her mouth, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave her the utterance. I'm telling you people... It's worth it to serve God up until the very end. God never says it's enough. You don't need to quit on God. You don't need to throw in the towel. It doesn't matter. I have a friend, and I'm, I'm closing, but I'm just reaching here. There's a young man I went to God. His name was Luis. Luis, Luis loved me. I mean, he just, we met at school. I, I would just, I got saved. I used to take my search for truth Bible study chart in my backpack. And I'd just teach Bible studies. I'd mess them all up. I was a mess, but I was an anointed mess. Yeah, I'd jumble scriptures up, make stuff up. I mean, it was just, it was bad. But I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give him these choppy Bible studies. He'd cry. <laughs> and uh, he, I, I baptized him. He used to wear all these gold chains. I mean, he looked like a Christmas tree. I, I, <laughs> I told him, you got to take all the gold chains off, man. You look crazy. baptized him he got the holy ghost started serving for god and um i i you know i just didn't have a car so i used to have to i would actually catch the bus to some of my first revivals i'd even walk i, I was preaching a revival one time and the pastor asked me how'd you get here i said oh i took the train and walked i didn't really want to tell him he said well, what'd you do that for i said oh, i had car problems and in my mind i'm thinking the problem is i don't have a And so Luis, Luis had a car, and he just loved me, and he would drive me all over the place. And so one time, we were coming back from a church service, and as we're driving, 
Luis tells me, he says, Brother Prado, he says, I'm seeing like double on the road. And I said, well, you're all right, man. Let's just pray. Maybe, you know, maybe you just woke up and just you're tired. He said, all right. So we're driving. He says, you know, I'm starting to see quadruple. So, and we still had like an hour to go. So we finally got home. And, uh, and he called me the next morning. He said, Brother Prado, he said, I can't feel the right side of my body. And I said, Luis, let's pray. So we prayed over the phone. And I said, Luis, if you don't get better by tomorrow, tell your mom to take you to the hospital. And in about 48 hours, he was totally crippled. 18 years old, young boy that used to love riding bikes, was going to college. He was now, his arms were spastic, his leg was spastic, he couldn't walk, he, he was he was laid up in the bed for months. And the doctors started doing all these tests. And finally, they started doing CAT scans on his brain. And they found four legions on his brain. And long story made short, long story made longer, they found out he had multiple sclerosis. And it's this crippling disease. It just, it cripples you. And... Uh, Part of the multiple sclerosis was on a part of his brain that released endorphins. And so he would just start crying, uh, laughing. I mean, he couldn't stop himself. He wasn't laughing at anybody, but he would just start laughing hysterically. And his, his eyes would just spin in his head and his arms would just, would be, it was just, it was wild. And uh, I'll never forget, I went to go pick him up one day. I finally got my driver's license and I thought, man, this is, I got to. I got to do for him what he did for me. And so I, I would pick him up to take him to church. And I remember one day I picked him up and uh, he came out. And I remember looking into his eyes and I didn't see him anymore. The disease had totally taken over. And he just started laughing. And uh, I, I, I couldn't even look at him. I had to turn away. And his mom came out. And... Uh, and we were just talking, and, and I, I helped him get dressed. I'd, I'd help him get dressed for church, and uh, his mom just didn't know what to do anymore. They came from a very poor family, and um, I, I just I couldn't even hardly talk to his mom, and it was just not good. And so I took Luis, and I put him in the car, and I, I headed out for church. And uh, when we got up to the, uh, to the stoplight, he was just laughing really loud in the car and his arms were just beating all over the place and he stopped and I felt the Holy Ghost come in the car and he started crying and he looked at me and he said brother Prado he said I'll do anything just to get to heaven and I, I couldn't control myself I just started crying and I said, I said brother Luis I said you're going to be alright I said, God's going to make it all right. I said, God's going to help you somehow. And, and we were just crying in the car, and the Holy Ghost was moving. And, and, and he didn't get better. He got worse, and he got worse, and he got worse. And, and he could have said, it's enough. And he'd come to church. They'd, they'd, we'd walk him into church. I mean, he it was bad. But I'll never forget, we had a revival service, and there was a man of God preaching, preaching the Word of God. 
and he didn't know what was going on. And Luis was sitting all the way in the back. And this man of God looked at him and he said, young man in the back, he said, I want you to come up to the front. And I'll never forget it. As long as I live, Luis came out of his chair. He could hardly walk. And he came up to the front of the altar shaken. And when he got up to the front of the altar, that man of God said, son, he said, I see a war in your life. He said, but God told me to tell you that the war is over. He said, put out your hands. And he put out his hands. He said, there's healing in your hands. God's going to heal you. God's going to touch you. And he laid his hands on that boy. He started praying for him. And you know what happened? Nothing. And he kept getting worse. And one day I was taking Luis home. And he was in my car and he looked at me. And he said, I'm sick of it. He said, he said, Brother Prado, he said, I can't read. My eyes go crazy. He said, I can't think right. He said, I can't control my body. He said, I'm sick of this. And I looked at him and I said, Brother Luis, I said, God gave you a word and he told you that you were healed. I said, why don't you go in your room after you get out of my car and you tell Jesus to keep his promise that he gave you. He got out of the car. He told me this later. He went into his bedroom. He closed the door behind him. He laid his hands on his, on his brain and he said, said Jesus he said you told me I was healed uh, and I'm asking you to keep your promise uh, he told me the Holy Ghost came in his room uh, and began to touch his brain uh, long story short uh, it's been about five years now uh, he went back to school uh, he got his education uh, he can ride a bike uh, I asked him just the other day uh, I said Luis when's the last time you took any medication uh, he said I don't take any medication uh, he's been totally healed by the power of Jesus Jesus. I'm telling you, you, you can't give God enough. If you're faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. You don't need to give up on God. No matter what you're going through, he'll see you through. I don't care what your sickness is. I don't care what your problem is. I believe God can bring you out. I believe God can heal you if you need to be healed. I believe God can fill you if you need to be filled. I believe God can help you if you need help. I believe... Oh, Jesus, let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. The Holy Ghost is coming on some of you young people right now. You need to let it settle in on you right now. There's a young person here. God's going to touch you in your body tonight.
You know, I, I've never, I, to the best of my knowledge, I've never done this at a youth service. I don't preach too many, but I want every young person that needs a healing in their body to come up to the front right now. There's young people here, you need a touch of God in your body. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to come up to the front. Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is here right now, young people. So just lift your hands. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do right now. I want... The brethren, if you can, please help me. We're going to lay hands on these young people. And the only thing, we're get, only thing we need to do, the only thing we can do, is have faith yes. and invoke the name of Jesus. We may not shake you. You may or may not fall out. But there's power in the name of Jesus yes. to heal your young body. Our God is powerful. Musicians, we're going to praise God. We're going to get excited as we pray for the sick. We're going to believe God to raise up some of these young people and to mark their life in a very special way tonight. I want all of you that have come up for prayer for your body, I want you to lift up your hands right now and just begin to worship and magnify God. Let the Holy Ghost come on you, and we're going to walk, um, we're going to walk among you. We're going to lay our hands on you. And I'm believing God to touch you in your body. That's it. Just lift your hands, musicians. Amen. By the power and by the authority that is in the name of Jesus, I command every sickness, I command every pain, I command every disease to leave your body in the name of Jesus. I command your lungs to be free of asthma in the name of Jesus. I command those stomach pains to leave in the name of Jesus. I command that bleeding to stop in the name of Jesus. I pray for your blood.
in the name of Jesus.
Wonderful counselor you are